Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todders and his name is Aaron McIntyre. And long time no see, long time friend of the show. Good to see the uh, editor over there at Newsweek Magazine, other op Ed Page, uh, our good friend Josh Hammer joining us. He'll be with us here momentarily for the Dace Group. Uh, don't forget, uh, we'll get to your feedback coming up in the next hour of the show. Always looking forward to that. If you live in the Quad Cities area, I'm going to be speaking tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be one of the keynote speakers for the National Lutherans for Life Conference uh, over in Rock Island, Illinois, so the Quad Cities area tomorrow, if you want to come by and say hello. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about uh, tomorrow morning is it took almost 50 years, but we're actually finally debating abortion in America. We have spent about 50 years debating the merits of Roe or the lack thereof. We And then, you know, how do we nibble around the margins of Roe? How do we overturn Roe? We spent very little time actually arguing the merits of the issue itself, which is exactly what the killing side was hoping for. They don't want to actually have to defend uh, whether or not they recognize they're killing live beings or not. So I'm going to get into that tomorrow when I have a chance to speak tomorrow morning to the National Lutherans for Life Conference. But that's also one of the reasons why we have partnered with our new friends here on the show, Preborn, because they understand they've been at this for a long time. Uh, They have helped uh, rescue over 50,000 babies uh, from the abortion mills, all from showing a mom the heartbeat of her baby. But then also the aftercare that they provide. I mean, one of the things that the the killing side is challenging us with now is, well, who's going to care for these children and mothers if we let these babies be born? There are ministries out there like Preborn doing exactly that. They provide paternity, baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, all of this free of charge. All right. So they're not just there to save the baby, but also uh, to be there to help save the mother as well. Uh, But it takes it takes donations uh, from the likes of people like you uh, to make this possible. When I said 50,000 babies earlier, that's just from what they've done here since they started partnering with shows here on The Blaze like ours. Over the last 15 years, it's almost 200,000 babies that they have saved. So if you want to get get in on that, plus during the fourth quarter, we're always looking for noteworthy causes to donate to. You know, we're getting into the time of year here where we're going to be talking about a um, an unmarried young teenage Jewish girl pregnant with a child, right? There's a certain similarity here, symbiosis to this issue that we're talking about right now. Uh, pound 250 and say the word baby on your phone. Pound 250, say the word baby on your phone or go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. And now it's time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was, and of course, there is Josh. You can already feel through the screen. The show has already gotten smarter, so let's make it dumb. Issue one, bleep Lord Nefarious says. Everybody in? Thank you very much. 
Um, we'll uh, proceed with the vote. So as a reminder, please state your name, whether you have any conflicts of interest, and your vote. Um, and I'm going to start uh, right now with uh, Dr. Bell. Bell, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Ms. McNally. McNally, no conflicts, yes. Uh, thank you. Um, Dr. Lair. Lair, no conflicts, yes. Ms. Bata. Bata, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Brooks. Brooks, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Daly. Daly, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Sanchez. Sanchez, no conflict, yes. Dr. Shaw. Shaw, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Long. Long, no conflict, yes. Dr. Cotton. Cotton, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Sineas. Sineas, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Paling. Paling, no conflict, yes. Lee, no conflicts, yes. Uh, Dr. Talbot. Talbot, no conflicts, yes. Dr. Chen. Chen, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Dr. Wharton. Uh, and the motion passes um, 15 unanimously in favor. Thank you, everyone. We can now put our cameras off and we will proceed with the next session. I think that was a brilliant play, Aaron, to make that the whole of this week's hellish montage because every terrible impulse in our culture, every last one of them, is embodied in that clip. All of them. From the spirit of Jezebel herself, the scourge of woke Karens that overly populated the panel we just watched, from the bio, the rise, as Daniel Horowitz and I have called it, the rise of the Fourth Reich, the biomedical fascist state, the complete total disregard for the Constitution and parental rights, complete and total autonomy for corporations not for individuals in a constitutional republic founded on God-given rights bestowed upon individuals who are individually made in the likeness and image of God. No, no consequences whatsoever for your behavior at all when you're in these unelected positions. I mean, we could go on and on. You, you could write, you could write Jeremiah or Isaiah long books on the level and the, the, the congruence and convergence of evil in that clip right there. So Josh, as the guest, you get first crack. Go ahead. Steve, great to be with you as always. I mean, look, I guess I just have two questions that kind of just leap off the tongue. I mean, the first obvious question is just holding aside like the kitty vax issue when it comes to the issue of these vaxes in general here. We cannot forget that the basic premise that the American people were sold the vaccines on from Pfizer and all the rest of the big pharma lobbyists and apologists was that this would stop transmission. Mm -hmm. That it would that, you know, to go back to March 2020 to kind of use the 15 days to slow the spread terminology that it would actually do that, that mm -hmm. it would at least slow the rapidity of the spread. We now know beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it does not do that. And yet they are taking that entirely flawed premise, that entirely flawed logic that has been thoroughly debunked, that is completely untenable at this point. I don't even hear people on the left trying to say that it's that it's slowing the spread. I mean, like that argument has just demonstrably empirically failed. So they're taking that exact same March 2020 era apologia and extending it to to kids 
to enter like schools, a, a kindergarten. I mean, this is it's just totally iniquitous and depraved. I mean, like I I mean I think you framed it correctly here. I mean, like. If we the people like at this point are not going to speak up to ensure that our kids do not have to be given this experimental vax that does absolutely nothing. I mean, let's say that you're a kid who, who gets COVID anyway. Let's say that you're six years old and you get COVID. What are you going to have, the sniffles? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you're, like you're going to be on a ventilator. But like all this is and all this ever has been since the biomedical security state kind of rose to its infamy in the summer of 2020, all this has been is just a zealous bloodlust and a thirst to control other human beings and to subjugate them to their imperial ideology. That is all this is about. It's taking it to its logical conclusion. I mean, I take some modicum of solace because I live here in Florida. Our Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo, he actually has an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today talking about the COVID boosters. He's been kind of out front there kind of questioning kind of the, you know, no kids, no boosters boosters for men 18 to 29 years old. So there are some sane people out there, but my God, the medical profession in general, they have uh, they, they have just covered themselves in just complete disgrace for the past two and a half years at this point. This is really, Josh, just an escalation of what they did a year ago, what they did a year ago. On August 6th, Rochelle Walensky went on CNN. Now, in fairness, you may not have seen this because it was on CNN. All right. So it just may be that a lot of Americans were unaware that this event took place because it aired on CNN. Uh, Rochelle Walensky, the head of CDC, went on CNN and admitted to Wolf Blitzer that with the arrival of the Delta variant, the vaccines no longer work against transmission. She even went on to say that people who are vaccinated could still get the virus and give it to others, which, you know, the anti-vax nuts like our buddy Todd here, they call that vaccine shedding. And they always tell us that that doesn't exist, except when they go on CNN and admit that it does. Okay, and admit that it does. All right. And so she admitted this on August 6th, right? Admitted medically, this is no longer the traditional definition of vaccine. It is no longer an inoculation. It is not that. On September 9th, Josh, a full, more than a full month later, the president of the United States issued that ill-fated executive order saying you cannot buy or sell without the mark. I'm sorry. Um, You can't get a job without the jab. My bad. Uh, Sorry. Uh, You can't get a job in America of any consequence without the jab. One one full more than a full month, Josh, after his own CDC director admitted it doesn't even inoculate against transmission, which would remove remove any form of medical emergency rationale to justify such a constitutionary exclusion premise or policy to begin with. These people, Josh, they don't care. There is there is there is nothing you could present them, no precedent, no tradition, no codicil, no specific citation. They don't care. The Constitution or any of our original documents are roadblocks. They're traffic cones to these people, Josh. Steve, I'm not sure how I could add to that. So I totally did miss Rochelle Walensky, by the way. Thank you for reminding me that she actually did admit that on air on CNN. I'm not exactly kind of a frequent CNN viewer like like the like the rest of you three gentlemen, I'm sure. <laughs> so I, I told, so like you know I, I did I did totally miss that. But I mean, like you said it very well. I mean, this is not about the science. It's, it's definitely not about the lowercase s science. I mean, query weather is about kind of the capital S science, which is really just kind of a proxy stand-in for this kind of godless kind of pagan idolatry. Look, I mean, I, I mean, as you guys know on this show so well, I mean, Steve, as you know probably better than basically anyone in this entire business, all of this is directly downstream of when you actually lose any sense of a higher power. When mm-hmm. you lose any sense that God is in control, you're going to look to kind of secular saviors. And for a lot of people, when this pandemic first came and you know let's try and go back to those first couple weeks of 2020 
the media had all these images out of New York City in particular. We saw these headlines of people kind of, you know, the morgues were running out of space and stuff like that. So at that time, they're burning bodies in Italy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, like at that time, the hysteria for a what was already like a very secular, godless society, the level of hysteria was like off the charts at this point. Right. So who are you going to look for to save you if you're not going to look to God or some kind of higher power? Well, you're going to look at that at that particular moment in time to what would soon emerge as the biomedical security state. So it's just this toxic combination of godlessness with kind of just being drunk on power. But of course, it's not about the science. It's definitely not about the lowercase s science. It's about this just warped ideology and a fundamental desire to control other human beings' bodies. And that is obviously the grand irony in all of this, because the pro-aborts everywhere say that us pro-lifers, what we want to do is control women's bodies, all this other crap that you know the four of us know is just total nonsense on stilts. All we want to do is just protect everyone's God-given right to life. But no, they are the actual ones who do to their ridiculous, disgusting bloodlust to just tell us what to do with these experimental vaccines, let alone on our children, for God's sake. Look, I mean, I know we're kind of getting to this later in the show, but we, we're going to need some sort of truth and reconciliation commission or something along those lines just to just to get out of this. Todd, let me tee you up with this. Well said, Josh. I'm pretty teed up already. I know you are. I know you are. One in every 500 children under five who received the Pfizer and, MRN, and, and M, Pfizer mRNA COVID vaccine were hospitalized with a vaccine injury. And one in 200 had symptoms ongoing for weeks or months afterwards. A new study published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, says this study, by the way, had a cohort of 7,806 children, not a small sample size here. Aged five and younger, they were followed up for an average of 91 days following their Pfizer vaccination. 7,806 children, one out of 200 had to go to the hospital, uh, or, um, or one out of 500, I'm sorry, one out of 200 had, a, had an injury, or one out of 500 had an injury, one out of 200 had to go to the hospital. Uh, 62% higher symptoms than what they have found with young children with these vaccine with previous vaccines, 155% higher musculoskeletal issues, uh, 118% higher dermatological issues, 537% higher E and T issues, 36% higher cardiovascular issues, 54% higher gastrointestinal issues. This was just published in JAMA this week in advance of this panel and this CDC and FDA getting together and committing to this action, Todd. Yeah, well, this is nothing new, which is why I'm an anti-vaxxer. There's always been vaccine injuries, uh, and the powers that be look mothers in the eye who said, I had this kid on this day, we vaxxed him with this, and yes, he may be in the minority, but now he's a vegetable, and these people have mocked him. These people look like the people on Aaron's montage... Two of them, at least, who I saw, two of the women, there may have been more, they're on camera, they're wearing masks. They're wearing masks on camera in a room by themselves while they're saying, I have no conflict of interest. Their conflict of interest is that they do not believe in reality itself. Preach. Steve, earlier this week, forget just the kids for a second. Steve cited the data. The most up-to-date data we have is that you had to get to the cohort pre-vaccine of 60 or over on infection mortality rate where you had a marked difference from the flu. This was the flu for everybody. 
And now we are doing this on children who have uh, for children who for uh, uh, the flu is far more harmful to them. And that's not harmful. So listen, I'm losing my ability to communicate an obvious truth. There are people on that side of the camera who with their wink and their nod that I have no conflict of interest, they the translated we're coming for you. Mm hmm. In every way we can think of, we're coming for you because we hate you and it makes us feel good to do this. Reconcile that or your children are going to be taken from your very arms one of these days. I, I am so fed. And this is from the weakest tyranny we've ever faced. They, they aren't... They don't have guns. They're scared of guns. You put a gun next to them and they wet themselves. And still, you allow them to kick your ass at every turn. Aaron. Why do you make me follow that up so often, <laughs> Steve? <laughs> I think... Because you're up to the task, the, but man. <laughs> the, the, the part of that one clip is the pause at the end. And then whoever's running the meeting... Okay, you can turn your cameras off, uh, moving on to other business. Just to give you an idea of the level of evil, and it is just naked evil. It's not, and this is part of it, but it's not just, oh, uh, what did you expect from the FDA who is funded by the very people that they're regulating? You know, uh, no conflicts of interest there ever. It's not just that. The CDC and the FDA were both aware, the CDC in this instance, of Tucker Carlson calling them out for this vote. The CDC responded on Twitter, so I have to think that the people on this board were aware that people were pissed off about this. Every single time we've had a vote like this from the CDC or the FDA, where there is public, uh, public comment, or there's some, some outrage, you know, small, that, though it may be in the grand, grand scheme of things, every time it seems like the more outrage there is, the faster they get this done, and the more enthusiastic they are about doing this. These types of things. Yeah. And it's just, it's just abject evil, because they know... They know. They can say, hey, we don't, we don't force anybody. We don't force any states to follow our recommendations. The states say, hey, we're following CDC recommendations. And it's just the silly circle. Of, except the, the funny thing is that they're both in on this. The people who yeah. are going to be foisting this on the state level uh, know darn well that they can just have this fig leaf saying, hey, these are CDC recommendations. And the CDC can say, hey, we don't force any states to do this. And it's just, it goes on and on and on. And I'll just say this again to end. They cannot do this to us if we do not obey. Do not obey. Hell is empty for all the devils are here. Let's get to the uh, exit question here. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, uh, with one uh, being apparently the number of dads left in America who would actually step in and do something while their daughters are being replaced by boys. And 10 being the amount of times Lindsey Graham will be asked, who's your daddy this weekend? Rank this week's level of total depravity, Josh. Uh, I'll give it a 
Todd. 10. 10. Aaron. 10. 9.5 on the low end. After watching this, you might be more tempted than ever. Hey, what was the name of that food preparedness kit? If these people are also that are in charge of our health care are put in charge of the food supply, and they are. Uh, make sure you head over to our friends at My Patriot Supply right now. Get their three-month emergency food kit for $250 off when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. What is their emergency food kit? It's three square meals a day plus snacks and drinks. The full 2,000 plus complement of calories you need per day to sustain yourself for you and everyone in your family stays good for up to 20 years with proper storage as well uh take advantage of it today mypatriotsupply.com is where you want to go kips uh, kits ship fast and they are in unmarked boxes for your privacy mypatriotsupply.com for 250 dollars off their three-month emergency food kit today at mypatriotsupply.com issue two the Dems' top midterm get-out-the-vote message? Kill them all. As the midterms draw nigh and Democrats look straight in the barrel of abject decimation as Americans increasingly struggle to pay their bills due to continued record inflation, this is Democrats' closing pitch. Here's the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. You're running for governor of Georgia. Uh, I would assume, maybe incorrectly, but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. Aaron, explain to our audience what you and I were talking about while that clip was playing there at the end. Mike Barnacle. Yeah. I just chuckled and... One of the last maybe actual liberals left in America. Bless his heart. He's basically saying, please, Stacey, for the love of God. Yeah, he's trying to Bill Maher. Will you please be sane? Please, yes. Yeah. He's trying to Bill Maher. He's trying to get her to not be insane and say, can you please just speak to issues people are actually going to go and vote on here in a few weeks? Nope. The dog returns to its own vomit. Can't help itself. Absolutely can't help itself. Um, So, Todd. Start with you. True or false? The Democrat Party is at best a death cult. It at worst is a demonic construct. True or false? Uh, true. Uh, Josh was talking earlier about with when you're untethered from God as a plumb line, this is where things go. Well, that's absolutely true. But the final destination of that is you're not... You're not just untethered to it. Then you become an enemy. They are Yes. Fo- you, there this, is no neutrality. And yes. this is why you should... Uh, We need to let the lioness out of its cage conversationally and rhetorically by bringing God into every conversation because it'll prove this point. You want to know that I'm right as you bring up God. They will drive you. What if I don't believe? What if you don't believe? What if they don't believe? They'll lose their mind because speaking that name into existence 
is is uh it's it's the crucifix before the vampire yeah which is why why you're we, foisting we, accountability yes. upon me we is why we tried to be polite we thought we were being polite we were like okay we'll argue public secular public square everybody we'll use just traditional yes. yes none of it yeah. worked yeah. so god in their faces all the time bring the heavy artillery preach friday is todd's day I again i know i'm not gonna make you follow that time aaron josh you. you go <laughs> so I, I, I mean, Todd is hitting at an incredibly important point here, and I, I would say that the point that Todd just kind of emphasized has been a recurring leitmotif of sorts of my writing speeches, podcasts for the past three, four, five, however many years now, which is there is no such thing as neutrality. Mm -hmm. Neutrality is a lie. The very idea that the market can be truly quote unquote neutral, that constitutional interpretation can never be truly quote unquote neutral, that the public square can never be quote unquote neutral, total nonsense. The entire idea of what to legislate when you are making taxation, subsidization decisions, when you are construing a statutory or constitutional provision, anything that we do in our public, political, and civic life necessarily entails the making of value judgments. Mm -hmm. Now, for the right, historically, over the past half century, or so disproportionately, not always, but we have generally been guided by a belief in the Judeo-Christian moral and ethical tradition, vice Bible, scripture, and ultimately God Almighty himself. But those on the left, as we just said in the last segment, they simply do not have that. They just don't. So what do they do? Or, or they reject it. Or they, they, they reject fundamentally it. reject it. Yeah. They, they, they fundamentally reject it. They think it is kind of, uh, you know, the quintessence of backwardness, all these troglodytes who cling to their guns and their religion. We know how that goes. We heard it from Barack Obama in a way, Hillary Clinton, 16, with the whole deplorables nonsense. We know we know the playbook at this point that they are reading out of. So, when, again, when you lack that, then you necessarily are going to kind of prioritize the complete anathema, the, mm -hmm. the exact opposite of what that Judeo-Christian tradition would preach, which is kind of old school child sacrifice, which mm -hmm. is kind of old school Moloch, right? I mean, mm -hmm. th that's fundamentally what is going on here. So the answer to your question, Steve, the true or false question is an emphatic true. It is it is ob objectively, I would say, true. And, you know, I, to this day, I, I, I struggle sometimes when I hear clips like that from Stacey Abrams. Why do they care so freaking much about this issue? And part of it is what I just said. Part of it is that they reject God. So they kind of go to the complete opposite of that old school Moloch child sacrifice in sorts. Pharaoh but hardened they, his heart, Josh. He got about halfway through the plagues, Josh, and he hardened his heart. We're at that stage now. There will be, he will not be reasoned with any longer, Josh, unfortunately. I know it's sad because we're all students of history to some degree. We know what saying that means. I don't say it for effect or lightly, but it is what it is. I mean, Mike Barnacle is trying to give her a Bill Maher lifeline. Speak to something people right. other than your own death cult cares about. She refuses to take it to her own benefit. The dog returns to its own vomit. Aaron, quickly, you got about a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, increasingly, we talked about this with the drag, the family-friendly drag show that our colleague Sarah Gonzalez filmed the undercover video at. Watching this innocent little girl, precious little girl, watching really in like kind of horror, but like I don't know what I'm looking at here, but it's weird. While her ostensibly her mother looks on approvingly that mother the people who think like Stacey Abrams who aid and abet people like Stacey Abrams for a while now it's been well we can't just win elections we can't just share a country with these people these types of people have to be defeated 
these pe- type of people don't just have to be defeated. They and their thoughts and attitudes and wherever they get them from must be cast out. Like, um, and exercised, yes. maybe. Mm-hmm. It cannot be allowed to infect anything anything in this society like don't even keep a live culture exactly like just eradicate eradicate it it. burn it with fire it has to be completely excised cast out irradiated thrown into the bottom of the ocean because as todd likes to say progressivism is cancer and if you just let cancer go no matter how small it is guess what eventually it comes back it comes back yeah rush used to say keep a few liberals around so people could be reminded no no we this is we're beyond that we can't do that any longer this this you we have to the only way to make this culture safe for civilization is if we make it so poisoned to express these views like no one would come out and say i'm in favor of slaving enslaving blacks no one would say that kind of stuff anymore right you've got anything short of that and it will win period because it's just too embedded now. Exit question. Would you trade Republicans winning both houses of Congress in exchange for Carrie Lake, Doug Mastriano, and Tudor Dixon each winning their gubernatorial elections? Todd. Yes. You would make that trade. Yes. Aaron, would you make that trade? Absolutely. You would make that trade. Absolutely. Josh, what about you? I think it's a closer call than Todd and Aaron, but I would probably also say yes. I think it's also a closer call. Um... They still win one, right? You just said they don't win both. Well, I guess I didn't look at it that way, but I was saying oh, either none? one. None. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. That's what I meant it to say, but you found a little loophole there. I respect that. I respect the hell out of that, in fact. The best <laughs> like case it. scenario would be all those governor's uh, candidates win and uh, the, they just win one, one house of Congress. When we come back, who is Dr. Asim Mahatra? And why haven't you heard that name more? You'll find out why when we return. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. It is, of course, the heights of football season, which means we're also at the peak of tailgate season, the peak of cooler season. If you want one heck of a cooler, all American made with a lifetime warranty that comes from a company that are big fans of the Blaze, just like all of you that are watching and listening right now, we presume, then you want to get your cooler from our friends over at Tyga Coolers. They can uh, customize it for you, detail it for us. They've done one of those for each of us. Those things are absolutely phenomenal, very sharp. Anything that doesn't violate a copyright, you know, so if you want to take your favorite team and put the logo on there and you don't have permission to do that, they probably can't do that, okay? But uh, anything short of that, they can do, like maybe your favorite team's colors or something like that uh you want to put your kid on there uh because you're following him him or her around here this sports season they can do that for you as well or they can just give you a really cool cooler for 10 percent off when you go to taigacoolers.com t-a-i-g-a these make great corporate gifts too right so you can put your corporate logo on there and hand them out to employees if you want to do that taigacoolers.com use the promo code steve to get 10 percent off i mean hell it's not the jelly of the month club right but it's that would still be a pretty cool employee uh, gift, right? One of these coolers. TigaCoolers.com. Promo code Steve for 10% off. Let's welcome back in our good friend, uh, Josh Hammer. Uh, and he joins us for the Days Group this week. Let's get to issue three. Who is Dr. Haseem Mahatra? Dr. Asim Alorda is a British cardiologist and has been showing up with increasing frequency in this small but growing circle of doctors and health professionals. 
questioning the mRNA COVID jabs. This is a snippet of his biography. Quote, Dr. Asima Lorda is an NHS, that's National Health Service, trained consultant cardiologist and visiting professor of evidence-based medicine, Bahiana School of Medicine and Public Health, Salvador, Brazil. He's also a world-renowned expert in the prevention, diagnosis, and management of heart disease. He's an honorary council member to the Metabolic Psychiatric Clinic at Stanford University School of Medicine in California and is cardiology MSc examiner at the University of Hertfordshire, UK. He's a founding member of Action on Sugar and was the lead campaigner highlighting the harm caused by excess sugar consumption in the United Kingdom, particularly in its role in type 2 diabetes and obesity, end quote. Dr. Malorda has been frequently releasing videos like this. It is my duty and responsibility as a consultant cardiologist and public health campaigner to urgently inform doctors, patients and members of the public that the COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias and heart failure since 2021 until proven otherwise. So one of us has got to be right in how his name is pronounced. Let's just call him Dr. Asim. Yeah, let's just say, let's just call him badass. All right. So he is the latest. There have been several others of people who were lions in this industry, well-respected in these academic enclaves from Peter McCullough to Robert Malone to so many others. Uh, and now Dr. Asim is the latest. He himself suffered uh, a severe adverse event with his father-in-law. That's what really opened his eyes to the reality of this. First question. And Josh, this goes to you because this is something that we have discussed in depth on this show, really since Daniel and I started working on a book with this theme back in March. So we're going on eight months now. Am I going too far in calling for Nuremberg-like trials with Nuremberg-like punishments for what was done here with and because of COVID? So let me just first say that, you know, good on this doctor whose name none of the four of us can apparently pronounce. But <laughs> that, I mean, that's also actually what the Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo has been saying for the past few weeks. So he, he kind of issued this statement a few Fridays ago. It kind of snuck in at the end of the week. And he's been just facing like an avalanche of backlash. But, you know, I would encourage the listeners and viewers of this program, go to the Wall Street Journal's op-ed section today. Uh, Surgeon General Ladapo here in Florida has an op-ed on this exact issue. He, he has issued guidance saying that if you are 18 to 29 years old, you should not not get the mRNA vaccine or at bare minimum, you should not get an mRNA quote unquote booster because your chance of cardiac arrhythmia, of heart attack, of some sort of cardiac illness, especially in those first four to five weeks after getting the jab will dramatically increase. So good on this doctor. And, you know, we are starting to see kind of the emergence of some actually based doctors, right? I mean, they're few and far between. This guy, Joseph Ladapo here in Florida, Jay Bhattacharya out at Stanford has been heroic on this stuff. You know, so, so it's, it's, I, I've tried to publish a lot of these perspectives at, at, at Newsweek's op-ed section as well to the, to the extent that I can. Um, look, to your question, Steve, though, about the Nuremberg trials, I, I don't think as far as a paradigm is concerned, you are going too far. As I said earlier, I, I would probably personally frame it a little more akin to South Africa-style Truth and Reconciliation Commission, mm -hmm. uh, you know, qu query exactly what the finer distinctions are. I mean, I, I, I guess just to me, Nuremberg is, is, is kind of just like, a, in law, we'd say, sui generis. It is really unique. I mean, like, th those are kind of the 
the foremost crimes against humanity that have really ever been committed against fellow human beings. So I would probably phrase it a little closer to kind of South African apartheid and kind of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that Mandela and the folks like that were dealing with there um, in the 1990s. But I, I don't think you're going too far. I mean, I have no part, I have no particular qualms or anything on that because fundamentally what you are talking about here is using experimental medicine and not particularly well-researched, not particularly well-backed medicine that the public authorities themselves, as you said, Rochelle Walensky, people like that have now flip-flopped on. They try to keep it under the radar, but they have flip-flopped on that about transmission, about efficacy, about things like that. So we have to get to the bottom of this for purposes of accountability and fundamental justice. I mean, the classical definition of justice, obviously, is to reward good and to punish evil. There's been a lot of evil done. I mean, that's a word that we've said on this show many times over the past 35, 40 minutes. There has been a lot of evil as far as kind of the COVID, quote unquote, public health is response there and how we can best kind of punish that evil, whether it's under a Nuremberg trial system, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission system, or, you know, if the Republican Party were capable of doing anything on its own, you know, good old fashioned legislation, subpoenaing, DOJ prosecuting, whatever kind of the particular means, the end of substantive justice and punishing the evil that has been done for purposes of accountability, we have to achieve that. So you are going to get our kicker question exclusively to you because I want I want to pick your brain from a legal expertise standpoint on the form of what such a commission or an investigative uh, enterprise may look like. But first, before we go to that one, let's finish this topic. So Todd and Aaron, I'll let each of you respond to what you heard from Josh or you can put your own uh, spin on Dr. Asim or the question at hand. Yeah, for everybody to wake up, you have to cut off the head of evil. Uh, This is really represented in the Wonder Woman movie wonderfully, that doing false... Wonder Woman got it wrong. Taking the false approach to this will never wake the people up. Ares had to die, and then the people woke up. Until there are real consequences for this. And it's a, hey, we're at least giving them a trial. They're rounding up pro-life activists right now, the Mm -hmm. FBI, without giving them a trial. We're going to give them a trial. But after that trial, real severe consequences. Call that Nuremberg, call that South Africa, call it whatever the hell you want to. But consequences or bust. Aaron? Couldn't say it much better than that because... What this this goes back to the uh, politics? Does this flow downstream or upstream from culture? And the answer is yes. Okay, whether or not this is instigated by us in the grassroots, or whether by a few people who happen to be uh, courageous, like a Ron Johnson, maybe, or a Ron, a Rand Paul, I should say, or somebody like that who is just willing to stick their necks out there, so to speak, and get this done. This. consequences or bust just resetting what i said yesterday that cuts both ways if we don't hold these people accountable if there are no consequences for the people who foisted this biomedical apartheid upon us for the last going on two years now there will be consequences for us down the road Mm -hmm. very quickly so let's get to the exit question a little off the beaten path but same topic What do you personally think is the most likely origin of the virus, Josh? I mean, of course, it's a lab leak. I mean, the only question is whether, you know, China did it intentionally to try to weaponize it, to, you know, try to uh, kind of like Reichstag fire fashion, kind of accumulate more control in Beijing or to try and kill other Americans or people around the world or not. But I mean, one way or the other, I think it's obviously a lab leak. Todd, what do you think? China intentionally. Aaron? Every single answer has been to to any inquiry about this entire topic has been like the worst possible. So I will I'll go with Todd. 
So, Josh, as I mentioned a minute ago, and I got, I got you, I bought you an extra few minutes here to delve into this in some detail. What would a new Nuremberg trial or, as you put it, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission like what they did post-apartheid in South Africa? What, given your legal expertise, what would the form of that do you think look like? So I, I'm struggling with this question a little bit because I love so much the idea of this happening for all the reasons that I just articulated, accountability, justice, punishing evil, and all of that. The problem is that you only got to the Nuremberg trials after the regnant regime, the Nazis, were were defeated, were mm-hmm. actually like genuinely defeated. They were you know, Many of them were killed. Berlin was leveled and so forth. In South Africa, obviously, the apartheid re- regime was defeated as well. So I guess the conversation to me, I- I'm happy we're talking about it. It just feels a little premature until we have thoroughly extirpated the current you know, uniparty, bipartisan, neoliberal shill ruling class that exists in Washington, D.C., and have replaced it with a ruling class that actually cares about we the people, that actually, you know, elites who actually have the concerns of the median American in in their heart. Okay, let, so, can, I, can I inject based on what you just course. said there? Can we just make the assumption, therefore, uh, that we have two civilizations here in the West? There is the Great Reset civilization, then there's what's left of Western civilization. What is to stop what is left of Western civilization, like, say, the sovereign state of Florida with a governor who is going to win by double digits here in two and a half weeks and is probably going to run for president 10 minutes after you on a platform to do that. We are going to hold with my attorney general tribunals here in the state of Florida. We urge other state attorney generals to join us, other other nations, Eastern European nations that resisted the Davos agenda here. You see what I'm saying? What's to yeah. stop other sovereign states or countries to just say, We'll just do it ourselves, regardless of what uh, Brussels and Davos and Washington, D.C. happen to think. No, I, I think that's a very important interjection. Thank you for that, Steve. I mean, like, look, Florida is, is I'm biased. I live here. I mean, that is the perfect example, right? I mean, Governor DeSantis obviously led on COVID like no other leader in America did. Our super base Surgeon General Joseph Ladapa would probably be totally on board with exactly, you know, what you just described here. So, you know, if something were to emerge out of Tallahassee and kind of start here statewide, that could then serve as a broader template. And, you know, ideally, other red states would follow. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the great things, I mean, the, the question earlier was about Tudor Dixon and and Mastriano and Carrie Lake, as we start to see more kind of higher energy Republican governors, one of the great things about just red state federalism is that the red states can kind of play off of each other. Mm-hmm. But Florida, Florida really should lead on this. I mean, I will be kind of like, you know, one of the first Floridians, I think, to kind of say that our governor, uh, in theory, after he's reelected, he should lead on this because he did chart out a path on COVID that was demonstrably different than the rest of leaders across the country. So, look, I, I really, really like the idea of this. I, I, I'm not an expert in the Florida Constitution as far as kind of the the reach of where their subpoenas and in, in kind of state hearings in Tallahassee could reach. Could they subpoena people from all across the country, from across the world? I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. I'm not a Florida state constitutional attorney or anything like that. But in theory, I really like the idea of this a lot. And I and, and I hope that more people start talking about it. So, you know, good on you and Daniel for trying to get it out there. You guys have any quick thoughts on that before we get to predictions or even the idea of a, of basically parallel sovereign nations or states saying, screw the consensus. We have a consensus amongst ourselves. We have subpoena powers. We have power plenary power here. We'll just do it uh, to some extent to the, the we'll do it ourselves. Yeah, this, uh, a, t- a precedent along those lines has been set with the January 6th. Uh, committee. I mean, there's no representation on there. Uh, Great point. Yeah. Uh, so, OK, we're up. Just reiterating as well, uh, 
I am for whatever helps me and my interests and people like mine interests. The Constitution is, to me, it's a great document. It's, by all intents and purposes, a dead letter. As a social compact. As a social compact. Yeah. So if something helps me, even if it's not strictly constitutional, I'm for it. Mm -hmm. If it does not, I am against it. That is the level of mono e mono steel cage match that we are in right now. Mm -hmm. I would love to get to the day. I would love to get to the day where we could say, hey, let's dial it back. Let's really get back to a social compact here. We are not that in that day right now. That would be a good problem to have. Amen. Can I quickly, can I just very quickly jump in there, Steve? Actually? Yep, 30 seconds so before I, predictions I, go. Okay, so what Aaron said there I just want to highlight is extremely important. I mean, that is kind of the quintessence of like how me and, you know, Dave Raboy and others have phrased it of knowing what time it is, mm -hmm. is understanding that we are in a largely kind of post-constitutional republic. And at this point, rewarding political friends and punishing political enemies and escalatory yes. prudential, yep. prudential, escalatory tit for tat fashion. Yep. That is what the lateness of the hour in this republic now calls for. Agreed. I completely agree. I'll, other than violating the explicit word of God, I will do everything else I can possibly do to defeat you, period. That's those are the new rules of engagement from my perspective. Let's get to predictions. Aaron, I'll let you go first. Uh, tomorrow morning, my prediction around 11 a.m. Mama's out of the house for almost out of state for the entire day. It's just me and Ben. I predict that we are going to be at 11 a.m. Specifically, no, no given in reason. We are going to be looking at some giraffes, maybe some <laughs> lions, sea lions, some kangaroos. Not Buckeyes and Hawkeyes. What, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Oh, I love the way we all try to self-medicate when our teams let us down. Todd? Because of the question you asked about the three governorships versus mm -hmm. uh, Congress, the enemy knows that too. That's why there is going to be mass protests and or violence on election day there to, to either prevent certain elements from showing up to vote at all or so after the fact they can hey, these are weren't legitimate elections because of how unsafe they were on election day. Mm. Josh? Well, Steve, I'll go totally off topic here. Um, as you know, I'm a big Duke basketball fan. I actually was at Duke just two days ago. My old Econ 101 professor invited me to kind of talk about my career and how economics has informed and all that stuff. But I actually, I walked past uh, Krzyzewskiville and Cameron Indoor Stadium. So I've been thinking a lot about Duke basketball the past couple of days. And I guess my prediction, because this is the million dollar question in you know our very niche corner of the world in Duke basketball circles is what will the post-Coach K era look like? And it's funny for me because John Shire, who's the new head coach, was actually only one year ahead of me in school. I'm 2011 he was 2010. I remember seeing John Shire at frat parties. I, I kid you not. I, I mean, so the, the whole thing feels like a little surreal to me. But I guess my prediction is that the entire Duke basketball program is not going to like go away. There's not going to be like like a black hole that's going to suck it away. We are going to be there. I mean, John Shire has been an, an outstanding recruiter for the past, you know, three, four or five years now. I'm not saying we're going to win a national championship this year or next year, but Duke basketball is not going anywhere. And I'm very excited for the season to get going. Uh, Dickie, you'll be very excited to hear that as well. Uh, <laughs> my prediction is if Carrie Lake wins on November the 8th, she will go on to become the first woman elected, elected. That's the key phrase. The first woman elected to be president of the United States. That is my prediction. I don't think you're wrong. I think she, if she is as powerful as DeSantis there, as great as he is, because of this moment with Trump and everything, she could actually leapfrog him because yeah. she's a woman. Josh, good stuff. To Always good to see you, brother. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Appreciate it. You bet. We'll come back. Feedback Friday is coming your way with Hour 2. We will respond to your responses to us next. Stay tuned.
All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. By the way, the JAMA study I cited last hour, one out of 200 children, Small children that were given the Pfizer vaccine in a cohort of 7,800 had to go to the hospital with an adverse event. One out of 500 required 90-day thereafter medical care for an adverse event. That's up on all my social medias right now. So go get that on my social medias right now. Uh, Gab, Parler, Truth Social, etc. You can also... Uh, get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And then don't forget, if you're a podcast listener, thank you so much. Got a fun board meeting after the program today to go over the Blaze's generous contract renewal offer, which we would not be going over without all of you in the podcast audience because you are a large part of the the growth the explosive growth of this show the last couple of years so thanks to all of you uh we would ask you to do just one more thing for us if you haven't already leave us a five-star review hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice and when you do that you help to just not only just appease the very finicky algorithmic gods of big tech, but also the benevolent overlords here at The Blaze. They are pleased by those events as well. And if you have a future question that you want considered for the next Ask Me Anything, which is coming up on Monday, uh, embed it into your five-star review, and it will go to the front of the line for consideration for next Monday's Ask Me Anything from Todd. This portion of the show brought to you by one of the clients that we added this year that has gotten the most amount of positive feedback from our audience. Audience. Our friends over at Eden Pure Air Purifiers, their filterless air purifiers do the trick, whether it is smoke, dirty diapers, uh, dirty teenagers, trash, musky smells, viruses, odors, mold. Uh, and I meant, did I mention filterless? So you won't be paying out of pocket after you buy these for filters uh, that are a pain in the rear end to swap out. You won't have to do that with their proven Oxy technology. It works. That's why we've gotten so much positive feedback from the audience about Eden Pure this year. Get packs of three for under 200 bucks right now when you use the code Steve3. Get it, Steve3 for the three pack. Uh, for the code Steve3, when you go to EdenPureDeals.com, that's EdenPureDeals.com, and they throw in free shipping as well. Free shipping and the three pack for under 200 bucks when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Are you guys ready for some feedback Friday? You bet. Yes. All right. So I want to start with this one, and it's a little lengthy, longer than I would normally entertain. You know, my general rule, if I, if I look at the email and I can tell it's long, it's got to be phenomenal to get my attention because I look at, I mean, I'm getting hundreds of these a day and I just don't have time, you know, so you got to get my attention right away. If it's shorter, I give you more rope uh, to, to get my attention. This one is longer, which means it got my attention right away. Uh, This is from Jim. Jim writes, this is the timeline historically of the Democrat Party in America. 
1784, 1787, 1789, slavery was outlawed in the Northwest Territory Act by the founding era representatives. Why three times? Because twice under the Articles of Confederation and once under the current Constitution. So that implies right from the beginning, right, the Northwest Territories were the first expansion beyond the 13 colonies. That implied right away they did not intend for slavery to be a a national calamitous sin. They were trying to limit it right from the outset. 1820, the first time the Democrat political party controlled Congress and the presidency. I think that's when they were known as Democrat Republicans, I think, back then, right? 1820, the wording of the Northwest Ordinance was changed, pardon me, to allow slavery in the territory that originally prohibited it. So right at the time, Democrats get hegemony in Congress for the first time as a party. 1820 is the Missouri Compromise, the year slavery was carried on by accepting states in in pairs, one slave state, one non-slave state. 1838 to 1839, the Trail of Tears under President Andrew Jackson, again, Democrat political party, 100,000 American Indians and their black American slaves were rounded up from several states and forced to march to the Indian nation in Oklahoma, some 1,200 miles away. During that march, about 15,000 people died. 20% were black American slaves of the American Indians. 1854, Dred Scott is appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. 1854, 30 members of the Democrat political party broke off from the Democrats and formed the Republican political party with their first party platform to end slavery. President, future President Abraham Lincoln was a member of this proto version of the Republican political party. 1857, the year the Supreme Court, along political party lines, seven to two, seven Democrats, one Republican, one Whig, decided black Americans are chattel property other than real estate. 1860, we begin the secession of 11 Democrat politically controlled states from the Union. Nine of these 11 states joined the Confederacy. The Constitution for the Confederacy started stated slavery shall be legal in every state. 1860, Civil War begins between Republican Northern States and Democrat Southern States. 1865, Civil War ends with the Confederate States' unconditional surrender. But what happens when all those who denounce the allegiance, uh, their allegiance to the Union swear allegiance and then swore uh, and then swore an allegiance to the Confederacy? What happens with them? Well, Reconstruction happens. And during that time, 23 black Americans, each representing the Republican political party, all former slaves, were elected to the Union of the Union of States Congress. One is a senator from Louisiana. This is pre-17th Amendment. The senator was selected by the Louisiana State Legislature to represent Louisiana in Congress. 1871, Reconstruction ends. The KKK is formed to attack Republican voters in former Confederate Southern states. Whether white or black or any color, the KKK's purpose is to stop the Republican vote. Same year, the National Rifle Association has started to teach gun safety. Former slaves were among the first NRA students. The first of the Jim Crow voting laws begin in Democrat-controlled former Confederate states to keep black Americans from voting. I don't know. Are you seeing a trend line here? I am. These are these just random idle events. But have you heard, Steve, that they found a uh, noose loop in Bubba Wallace's garage? Indeed. 1896, Supreme Court in its Plessy versus Ferguson decision, majority Democrat political party versus Republican political party appointees voted seven to one with one abstention for, quote, separate but equal facilities. That started legal segregation. 1913, President Woodrow Wilson, Democrat, segregated the federal government including the post office and armed services. 1933, FDR, Democrat political party, segregated New Deal programs. 
So far, black Americans are, remain a solid Republican voting bloc because of everything we just talked about. The Civil War was Republican versus Democrat proxy war. Loyalty runs deep until the Great Depression and no work for black Americans in segregated South until, other new, until new Deal programs like the WPA and others appear. Black leaders were able to get a meeting with, with FDR that resulted in jobs for black Americans. And remember who got you those jobs. And FDR ends up getting 30 plus percent of the black vote in the next presidential election, the most a Democrat had ever received. 1957, L, he missed a step here. Uh, in, 19, uh, in, in 1949, I think it was, is when Truman desegregated the armed forces. And that was uh, 1947 is when he desegregated the armed forces. And that was the hidden vote that helped him upset Truman Dewey for reelection in 1948. So. We even missed a step here. Uh, 1957, LBJ, Democrat Political Party, Senate Majority Leader, kept the Eisenhower Civil Rights Bill that included ending segregation from coming to a vote. But in 1964, LBJ, after JFK was assassinated, uh, allows a weaker civil rights bill to become law before the next presidential election. LBJ then gets 90% of the black American vote. 1965, LBJ, Democrat Political Party, created the Great Society, which included a showcase educational program for our nation's most prosperous cities as model cities. Cities now, Detroit, Camden, Newark, and Oakland. What do all those cities have in common? The garden spots? Are they places with high academic achievement? They are not. They are not, no. He also signed into law the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965, which began the documented decay of the compulsory public education system to its current 19 to 60% functionally illiterate graduation rate. Model cities were once the best of the of the cities decayed to half their former populations. I look at Detroit in the 1950s. Detroit per capita was the richest city in the United States of America. I mean, now it's an adjective. Highly functional black American families began to disintegrate from 75% intact to current 25% intact after these programs. Federal welfare and minimum wage turned vast swaths of Americans into dependent on government people, and the beat goes on. Let's say he's only 50% right about this interpretation of timeline in history. Let's say he's only 50% right, and not as certain as Jim seems to be here. Let's say he's only 50% right. Your, your response to this. It would still be the notion these days that whiteness run amok against, uh, among uh, Republicans is arguably the greatest gaslighting achievement in all of human history. All of it, not just American history, because with all of our access to education and resources, the Internet, information, whatever you can find with all of that. We believe on this issue that up is down and down is up. What what else rivals it in human history? If even 50 percent of this. Nothing. I Nothing. And. Am I overstating this? I don't think that I am, which is why I'm asking the question, because it's going to sound kind of like a non sequitur. Barack Obama is the most effective president, again, in the history of this country. At least in contemporary history. I I had never, and I was a pretty aware, I was a pretty aware youngster through the George W. Bush years, paid attention to the news, 
was a rush baby, so I knew what was going on. The inclination or the possibility of a race war, like what we had outside of St. Louis, which really just kicked off whatever the hell this has been for the last 10, 12 years in the United States with critical racist theory. Maybe, maybe I just have a myopic view, but that was all, that was all done with the blessing and nay, the fanning of the flames of Barack Obama. And look where we are now, just in a, just in a, a, a mere decade. Sure, the roots of this go back further, but my Lord, I, I don't know how we're at this point without, without that dude fanning the flames. It wasn't, it wasn't good enough that he was the first black president of this country. We went on to then have all out, we've had at least an, an attempt at an all out race war for the first time in since what, uh, the LA, um, when, when was that? The 60s? 1992. No, or the, yeah, 90, Rodney 1990, yeah. yeah. Um, before, right before you were born. I just, but at this, at this, um, at this level and at this systemic level that CRT has really infiltrated every single facet theologically, the boardrooms everywhere. I don't know how it gets there without Barack Obama. Was he effective or the fulfillment of these things? Yes. Yeah. Adam writes, science as currently understood in the world is just Gnosticism in a lab coat. Remember, don't criticize doctors. They're your new high priests. Yep. It's the original sin. Yeah. Oh, the original heresy, not the original sin, but the yes. original heresy, yes. Yeah, I know what you meant there, but history doesn't just repeat, gentlemen. It also rhymes. Yes. yes. And of course, you couldn't possibly know their knowledge. You couldn't possibly have the expertise that they have. You couldn't possibly understand. You couldn't possibly. David from Pennsylvania says, I'm a big fan of the show here in PA. Doug Mastriano is running for governor, and he would be exactly what we need in this state. He could do so much good for this state. Unfortunately, I think he's running a terrible campaign. He's raised no money compared to his opponent. He is not trying to win independence, let alone non-cultist Dems. There are no ads running for him anywhere. He has uh, been abandoned by national GOP organizations and doesn't seem to have an answer for that. He's really, it just seems to me, relying on his social media following and his rallies. He has also avoided all interviews with mainstream media, has done little with conservative media, and is not even going to debate Josh Shapiro because they couldn't agree on the moderators, which to me I think is just a dumb decision for him. It is so frustrating to see someone who could do the things we need done here with the correct worldview, but just make dumb campaign decisions. I'm reminded of what you say, that it's not enough to have the right worldview, but you have to be good at governing politics. It's a vocation. It's a job. Can you please have him on the show to try to get him and his message out there more? Have we tried getting him on? Not yet, but I'm happy to. All right. Let, let's see if we can get him on. Because, I, because just like I said to Tudor Dixon yesterday, I've heard several things. Um, I've heard a lot of this sort of stuff with Doug Mastriano as well. A lot of frustration. But I don't know if it's anecdotal, if it's just... You know, Doug doesn't, or Dave doesn't tell me what part of Pennsylvania he lives in. Like, if you're in a Philadelphia suburb, you might have a completely different perspective than if you live, you know, elsewhere in the state. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to be more surrounded by the other side's narrative. Does that make sense? Yeah. But one thing that I, the, the one thing I do want to say, um, I would not tell Doug Mastriano to do mainstream media interviews at all. But... I absolutely would tell him to do a debate regardless of who the moderator is. Regardless. 
I mean, look what the, because this takes us back to yesterday's conversation with Tudor Dixon. There is no question she has momentum in that race. Now, various pieces of data and forecast and conclusions um, have a range of defining what that momentum is, right? Mm -hmm. But there's no question she has that momentum. What was the inflection point to generating that momentum? The debate. We're not hearing about Herschel Walker's personal life anymore right now. Why? What happened last Friday? The debate. The debate. If you are good at this and you're behind, then you should be smarter than their moderators. Now, let me say this. I'm fully supportive of the national GOP saying we're not doing this with the National Commission on Presidential Debates anymore. I'm fully supportive of that. But whoever the by the time we get to October of 2024, whoever the Republican nominee is, Ron DeSantis or um, Donald Trump, are they going to be an unknown figure? No. No. Are they going to need to raise their name ID? No. No. Are they going to need to establish some form of legitimacy? No. No. Presidential elections, not nearly as <laughs> we're going to have like by the by the time mission, nobody knew what a Tudor Dixon was in April of this year. See what I'm saying? Nobody right. knew. Nobody knew what a Tudor Dixon was in April of this year. Kind of came out of nowhere. She was one of a of a set of candidates and came out of nowhere. And literally, like in the last few weeks before the primary, just garnered momentum and 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 took it. All right. By the time we get to the first vote in Iowa in, tw- in January of 2024, guys, we're going to have like a half dozen debates in the Republican primary. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. These people are all going to be very well defined before we even get to the voting process. So in a much more parochial election absolutely go in there and beat the snot out of the moderator, turn them into your punching bag and use that as your opportunity to directly confront the opponent on the other side. That is the inflection point. And, and, and that's how Tudor Dixon in, in, in a week, would she say she's been outspent? Was it yesterday? 23 to one or something is what she said on our show. Something like that in TV ads, that performance in a week has essentially erased that cash advantage on the air that Gretchen Whitmer had going into that event. Erased it. Now, she may still not win, who knows, but the momentum in this race is dramatically different than it was 10 days ago. Same thing is true in Georgia with Herschel Walker. Do not pass on opportunities, particularly when you are the lower-funded candidate here. Do not pass on the opportunity to share the stage with your opponent and go at them directly. No matter who the moderator, I don't friggin' care if the moderator's Karl Marx. In fact, I'm going to say thank you. That's a little SD two for one special. I'll pimp slap both y'all. Thank you. Appreciate you. Don't turn that stuff down. And so that's why I wanted to read this email because it's the first time I've heard this. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But in general, if you're the underfunded underdog here, if you're the Republican nominee for president, 
In October of the before the election, you are not the underfunded underdog. Everybody's spending a billion bucks on both sides. You know what I'm saying? But if you're Doug Mastriano, abandoned by the Republican Governors Association, that part's true. Absolutely. In case this what David is saying is accurate. I don't care who the moderator is. I don't care if Anthony Fauci's the moderator. In fact, bring me your moderator. I will crush you both and enjoy it. And listen to the lamentations of your non-binary beings after. You do not turn down a stage like that. Look at what it has done for Tudor Dixon and Herschel Walker in just the last week. Thoughts on that? I think uh, you're right. I will say that this is another lament in terms of funding. Two days in a row. Pennsylvania and Michigan considering what both of your states are dealing with systemically and you don't have a GOP in those states to overcome this lament in this time I what what in the hell is your party doing in that in those states I I it's it's as if this is a setup for candidates you don't like because of what Steve always says, that the GOP hates its own base more than it hates Democrats, so then they can position themselves as the only version of red that can win. So I, I don't, I just think, I don't need to elaborate on what you said. You're, of course, right on this. But what, what, what is, what, what good are these parties if this is the lament that anybody worth having is going to come back with we you can't raise funds in this environment this are you kidding me what am i missing i don't know they do just hate them yeah more than they hate Democrats. nobody no the only party that hates us more than the democrats are the republicans i'm just telling you right now there there isn't a national gop leader not a one that wouldn't love it if Doug Mastriano lost. Right. Not a single one of them that wouldn't love it. Not a single one. Wouldn't love it if Carrie Lake lost. Wouldn't just absolutely love it. Not a single one. Not a single one. In these unprecedented times, Bang. make sure you dare not go into the Let's Go Brandon real estate market without a fully vetted real estate agent whose track record of success has been proven. Where would you find them? Well, we made it easy for you. The name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. We can connect you to one of our preferred agents who made it through our vetting process that has a line of a few thousand uh, agents right now waiting to get listed in our database. Why? Because we don't just take anybody. We do the vetting. We make sure before we recommend them to you that they can be trusted. And then you're going to find often that these agents come right within this audience. So, you know, they share your values as well. So head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Provide us some basic info. Our team will then contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents to get you started at realestateagentsitrust.com. No part-time or inexperienced agents, only full-time successful professionals. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, some more Feedback Friday. This is from Kent. I've had a few recent conversations with pastors where they seem to want to distinguish between Christian witness and fighting a culture war. There is no such distinction. 
I'll just stop right there. This distinction doesn't exist. Because it assumes that you can become a Christian and not be confronted by the enemy. The enemy just says, man, it's adorable the Erzin family has got their poop together. I mean, I just, man, just can't get enough. Just living the American dream out there in the exurbs of Carlisle, Iowa. Just adorable. That has not been my experience. That's not your experience? It is not. So tell me how you develop a Christian witness that doesn't get confronted by the spirit of the age, by the culture. Tell me how that's possible. I'll answer the question. It's not. It is not possible. Now, if, if, if the argument here is that the distinction is that our, what do we, you know, we don't get saved to fight a culture war. Well, I agree with that. You get saved to know, to truly know God and for him to truly know you to, to, to bridge the chasm between the two of you, your sin and his holiness. But guess what happens when you truly get to know him and he truly gets to know you? It changes what you see. It changes what you seek. And it's going to put you at odds with what? The culture in every, in every situation, in every single one. This is a false choice. It isn't possible. The temptations that your people, that once they become saved, the temptations that they will feel, where will they come from? The ether? I reached down, I reached into the clouds and pulled down what I'm tempted by. Where do the temptations em- and where do they emanate from? The culture. Are you in this world or not? Just floating, floating in the mercurial. I'm not attached to anything of any finite substance, materialistic whatsoever. Are we making Christians here or hippies? Beatniks or Christians? What are we doing here? There's no such distinction. For the war will come to you whether you seek such war or not. The the disgusting thing about this is the truth you lay out right now was so clear to the fathers of this church that they would be crucified upside down. They would be skinned alive. They would be t- fed Correct. to the lions. Uh, Jesus said they did this to a green tree. Yes. What are they going to do to you? Yes. Absolutely. But what? Our modern day pastors in skinny jeans and flowered shirts, they, they risk losing like 5% on their tithing. So they just can't go there, Steve. It's disgusting. Now, Kent, to, to be fair to Kent, the rest of his email does a great job of pointing out exactly what we're saying, the whole fallacy of this. But I just, I wanted to just, so nothing, Kent, you know what time it is. But I want to just stop right mm-hmm. there. This distinction doesn't exist. Because it presumes that you can live some form of Christian witness that will not put you in conflict with the culture you're in. This is not possible. It is not. In fact, That conflict is one of the points of your witness. And if there's anything close to there being a proof of your witness. 
Correct. Amen to that. I mean, if you're just walking around not being attacked or assailed or, or tempted by anything around you, I think maybe we should consider here whether, you know, you are actually a Christian. Mike Pence. I'll let you say that. I've gone far enough with him as it is already. But this is this distinction isn't possible. Kent, I know you know that from reading your email. But this is a fallacy. It isn't possible. The idea of the gospel in a vacuum. That's what the Romans put over Jesus' head at the cross. The gospel in a vacuum. That's what those words meant in Latin. The gospel in a vacuum. In fact, we've reconsidered why we even had this trial for sedition in the first place. On your way, sir. This is why you always used to have what's-his-face over your shoulder on the old set. He's gone now, right? I yeah, think my like, wife made a personal request. That's fine, but that's why he was back there. I, yeah, I, I gave in, yeah. She, he's st- Joel's still sitting there behind you, though, off-camera. Just in case I feel the always need to lurking. bring it. <laughs> <laughs> he is Ooh, Lest we not be reminded of what, is, of what inhabits most of our pulpits. Yes, I'm sorry, Aaron, go ahead. Yeah, we should probably cut his his visage or face out of that uh, cardboard box. Because it could be how many others? Hide it around the studio every day. Eh, Yes. There's no way to avoid a war with the culture you're around if you're a believer. No way to avoid it. It's hunting you. Yes. Yes. More Feedback Friday here next. You know, charging higher interest is how lenders like banks make more money, and they take a lot more of your hard-earned money if your credit score is so-so, but not great. That's where ScoreMaster comes in. The new science in accelerating your credit score puts you in control of your money, not the bank, and lets you know exactly the score you have, why you have that score, and then what you can do in order to get to the score you want. What's the difference? Say your credit is 700, and you're borrowing 500 grand to refi your home. Starting at ScoreMaster could save you over 75 grand over the life of that loan right now. That's 75 grand that is your money, not the bank's. And is there anything going on with interest rates at all right now that you might want to make darn sure you've got the best credit score you could possibly have? Yeah, everything's going on with interest rates right now, right? So we used ScoreMaster last year to help us last fall get an obscenely low rate for our refi before Let's Go Brandon kicked in on the interest rates. So we've seen how it works and would recommend that you try it as well. Visit scoremaster.com slash Steve for a special seven-day trial. Again, your special seven-day trial right now, whether it's an auto loan, home loan, business loan, any loan scoremaster.com slash steve get your seven day trial see if you can add 60 to 100 points in about three weeks to your score scoremaster.com slash steve all right back to some feedback friday jim chamelik writes some would say what you're saying is offensive while i say to take it as a challenge while most of what you say i agree with it is your harsh judgment and condemnation of those who i will have admitted have admitted committed horrific crimes against humanity that you wish to see dead and eternally damned and maybe i've misunderstood what you have meant by your comments specifically i will address your comments concerning anthony fauci if we wish to destroy what god has created we are are we not allowing the spirit of the age to ascend and the mercy of god to be set aside does Anthony Fauci have a chance for redemption and whose choice is this? 
You say you would have a trial, a conviction, and then a death sentence. You say you would kick the chair out from underneath him and hang him from a long rope. Yes. Without any hesitation. If anything, eagerness. After a fair trial, of course. After a fair trial, of course. Is this really our role? Is this the mercy that Christ spoke of? Is this what Christ died for? Are we supposed to be judge, jury, and executioner? Are we supposed to be the sower of his words and plant the seed of his good news? Don't get me wrong. There should be punishment for crimes. Well, Jim, we're four paragraphs into your email, and this is the first time you have said that. But there should also be mercy and forgiveness on our part. For me, if we are to overcome the spirit of the age, it will not be aligning ourselves with its destructive behavior, but by seeking to save the souls he wishes to devour. God bless your brother in Christ, Jim Chimelik. Jim, do you think that it's possible? Let me just ask you a question. Because I think you have fallen for a a false choice here, brother. You have conflated, um, you have conflated forgiveness with justice. Yep. You have conflated condemnation for consequences. In fact, if Anthony Fauci were to come forward and repent, you know what he would probably do? And for that reason, I plead guilty to what I have done. Who repents and says, but it really wasn't that bad. If you do that, you might have done a lot of things. Guess what you didn't actually do? What didn't you actually do? Repent. I think... But go ahead. I think he needs to pretend he's Michael Dukakis for a second. And Bernard Shaw needs to ask him a question about what he would do if his daughter was raped. I, you're making this... You're, you're, that actually happened, for those yes. of you that don't know, in the 1988, the final 1988 presidential debate between Michael Dukakis and George H.W. Uh, Bush. Bernard Shaw at CNN, of all places, uh, talked to him about his leniency on criminals policy and said, hey, you know, like what happened, you know, with... Uh, uh, who was the guy with the revolving door and the uh, controversial commercial at the time? I can't remember yeah, his name. But, but if that were to happen, if your wife, uh, I think Kitty was Michael Dukakis's wife's name. If Kitty were kidnapped, raped, and murdered, would you want the death penalty for his assailant? That was the literal question that he asked. He framed it exactly like that, right? Yeah, you Could you imagine that happening today, <laughs> by the way? Aaron's like, what is this What is this America you speak I don't believe of you. where questions like this were asked? No, this happened, and 100 million people watched it happen, and that's why he got his ass kicked in that election. You were talking last segment about you know, the ridiculous, ethereal nature of everything. You're, the Lord talked about millstones. Mm-hmm. He, he was trying... The, the point of parables, he was trying to speak in your language about fundamental truths so that there would be no such ambiguity like you're talking. There is evil that does not sleep, brother. This is not the damn Oprah show. So you mentioned the Lord himself talked about millstones. The Lord himself is, if you are a Christian with what I would consider to be biblical and orthodox theology, you believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. So the Lord himself is who gave the law to Moses. The Lord himself is who uh, gave the rest of Levitical law in the book of Leviticus. The Lord himself is who commanded the Israelites to go into Canaan and be the ultimate urban renewal program. The Lord himself did these things, correct? Yes. I, I would assume, I would assume that Jim, you do not think it is possible for you to love more than God loves. 
And I would assume that any believer thinks that, right? How many sins do you think in the, the law that God calls for the death penalty for? Do you guys know what the number is? It's 28. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. How many prisons does he call when he takes a nation unto himself and says, you are my people and I will be your God and I will make you a great nation in a direct theocracy. How many prisons did he order them to build for rehabilitation? What do you think that number is? Zero. Zero. Doesn't mean there were not, there was not mercy. You, there were places you could go that were sanctuaries um, where you could throw yourself upon the mercy of the priest to say, I'm being falsely accused or the punishment isn't worth the crime. There was, there were opportunities for mercy, of course. But when the Lord established his own nation, there were no directions for the building of rehabilitative prisons but there were 28 sins or crimes that you committed either civilly against God or your neighbor that called for the death penalty. 28, 28. I am merely calling for the death penalty for those who committed genocide first-degree murder, sexual assault on women and children. Four. Am I not merciful? 28. When he named those 28 sins or crimes that would be worthy of the death penalty. Did the Lord not know that he was going to go to the cross when he handed the Jewish people the Levit that Levitical law? Did he already not know that that history would right. eventually happen? Did he not already know this? He did, know. did he not already know that he would eventually one day say, love knows nothing greater than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Yes. Did he not know that he himself would be falsely accused of crimes and executed for them by the state? Did he not already know these things? He did. Don't try to outsmart God. We're not good at it. And we're even worse at trying to be nicer than him. What, what would you be saying right now? Would you have sent that same email if these same people lined up the people that they had a hand in killing while they were still alive? brought them up to a pit, and just started opening fire on them. Would you write that same email? Put them on trains. Would you write that same email? You know, this goes back to the, the whole... I can't believe we had the, the luxury of debating this in the past, the whole John Piper self-defense wacky theology. A buddy of mine, we were... I brought this up in some some capacity a few years, weeks ago or just mentioned it in passing and he interrupted me and he said, you know, I don't basically say, I don't care, man. I, when I, when I meet my maker, I'll, I'll find out then if it was right or wrong. 
if if a if a if a guy's standing over my wife about to to kill her and I use deadly force why why are we addicted to pondering the lint yes. in our navel yes when the wickedness and the evil is so patently obvious because we're addicted to non-confrontation the top doctrine preached in the Western church in the last generation is the doctrine of non-confrontation. This is why we had capital punishment and then offered those before we executed them access to a priest or a pastor so that we could offer them forgiveness so we could, we could help them avoid eternal damnation. There is not a single word in the new Testament, not a single word in the new Testament. Not a single word that is anti-capital punishment. Not a single word. The Lord himself sits at the cross, falsely accused. Two men flank him who are, who are rightly accused. When one man says, I deserve what I'm getting. I deserve what I'm getting. I deserve what I am getting. I deserve what I am getting. And then says, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, Messiah, Jesus looks at him and says, since you feel real bad about what you did, let me snap my finger and you can come down from that cross and live out the rest of your days doing charitable good works. Is that what he does? No. No. He says today, I mean, after you get done paying for what you admit you rightly did uh, today, after you die here, as you yourself have proclaimed, you deserve to, you deserve this death. You earned it. The wages of sin is death. And what is a wage, Todd? Something you've earned. You've earned. And the worker is always worth his hire. The master will always pay you what you have earned. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will always reap what he sows. You will always pay, get paid what you have earned in the kingdom of God every time. You earned it. So after you're done receiving the due penalty for your sins, because of the repentance that you have shown and the recognition of the only atonement that satisfies the repentance required here. After you are done suffering for what you have done, you get to join me in eternity for paradise. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth yep. as it is in heaven. Who Correct. said that? Who? Who Same, said that the as the primary prayer of our lives? Yes. Here's a, not to belabor this point. Here's a, here's a general rule of thumb for you. And I bring this up because it's popular right now because of that ridiculous drama on Netflix. Jeffrey Dahmer, when they caught him, it's been pretty well documented that the first thing he said was, I deserve to die for what I've done. If you have a more difficult time, if you have a more difficult time coming to that conclusion about even worse crimes than Jeffrey Dahmer did about him, probably on the wrong side of history. Fair trial, access to a chaplain, chance to make your defense, if found guilty, a chance to avoid eternal condemnation. I don't know. This sounds pretty merciful to me. Am I talking about drawing and quartering people? Am I talking about rounding them up? No. Nope. No. I'll give you the fair trial before I lethally inject you that you didn't give us. 
before you lethally injected us. And I'll even give you access to the forgiveness that you have not earned and do not deserve and have rejected because I did the same before it was given to me. But rest assured, if given the opportunity, I will fulfill my obligation to righteousness here and I will not lose a wink of sleep about it. Not one. Because I gave you a fair trial. I offered you the Lord's flesh and blood, his forgiveness. I offered it to you. Spent I offered the last you a, two years begging you off the ledge. I, I offered you a place at the Lord's table, even at this last minute. I'm, I'm offering you more than you deserve. You don't deserve a fair trial. You don't deserve the Lord's grace. That's why it's called grace. Neither did I. But then after offering you those things, I will give you what you have earned and deserve. The due penalty for your actions. The wage that you have earned, and it is, it is quite a payment. And nope, no matter how many of you email me to the contrary, I don't reconsider at all. Have you thought about how many of the people that email you subject to the, what? What the difference, what the percentage of them who are jabbed versus unjabbed are? <laughs> Let's close on a high note with our friends over at Rough Greens. Um, if you've got a pet, its health and happiness is important to you. And just like we need so many supplements these days as people, because they're stripping a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients out of our diets. They did the same thing to the pet's food as well before it ever left the factory. That's why your pet needs Rough Greens. It's the supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food to restore the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your pet needs. But you might be wondering, what if my pet doesn't like it? What if it doesn't work? I mean, the last thing I need, Steve, is another expenditure. We agree. That's why we're going to give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. Now, you pay for the shipping, but that first 14-day Jumpstart bag, the far, the far bigger expense, will pay for that because we really think it's something that will be useful to your pet, so please try it. Take advantage of this offer right now when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Gentlemen, any final thoughts? No joke. Earlier this week, I was going to ask if you had another email in the vein that we had this last email that you took, this segment, uh, because I, I felt that this needed to be addressed. And just to underscore it again, the conflation of condemnation versus consequences and forgiveness versus... Um, Forgiveness versus uh, consequences as well. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't make these mistakes, guys. It is a mistake. It's, it's stinking thinking, as Todd Friel likes to say. You have any final thoughts here in the final twenty seconds, Erzin? Looking forward to share part of the weekend with the Dace family yeah. and the great blessings coming your way. When you guys next see us, oh, yeah. I will officially be a father-in-law. How about them apples? Good luck, Tim. Not getting any younger. All right, looking forward to it. It'll be a great day. And looking forward to seeing you guys again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.